I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here, as always, with Drew Dinsick, recording on Monday late afternoon, just before Monday night football kicks off. Today, we're going to talk uh, about the Giants losing Daniel Jones for the season and the repercussions of that into New York, Dallas. We'll talk stock up, stock down with the Bengals and Seahawks. And then we'll talk coach of the year market in the NFL, which I think is a pretty interesting one. And uh, I have... uh, a bet there, which I think is uh, a rort uh, and a, uh, a big, big angle. We'll get into that. But let's start off with uh, Daniel Jones, Drew. Uh, how uh, the line is 16 and a half. The Cowboys are favored. The total is 39. Uh, so do the math there. And the Giants are expected to score not many points. Uh, do you think this line is big enough? Uh, no, I make it closer to 17 and a half, actually. And when you're in this rare air and NFL's kind of handicap and we already know pretty much you know what the dna of the dallas cowboys says to do when they have a team that they are markedly better than um you know i think this is probably cowboys are past at this price uh the tape on tommy devito is wildly poor it is rough and his i mean the fact that he outperformed a couple of quarterbacks named bryce young and Clayton Tune in terms of total EPA this week is more of an indictment of the other players than it is a credit to Tommy DeVito because uh, in the Jets game, they literally just every single pass was behind the line of scrimmage for DeVito. Uh, and in relief for uh, Daniel Jones, you know, his most effective play was the panic scramble for three yards. Um, it's a tough way to make a living, especially against the Dallas team that uh, coming in with a little bit of an, uh, little bit of an axe grind after leaving that win on the field in the link. Uh, so, yeah, I I think the adjustment's fair, but I will also I, I will argue that the uh, loss of Daniel Jones for the season net positive for the franchise. Like the Giants are now poised to potentially lose out and get a one or a two seed, 
um, excuse me, a one or a two pick in the NFL draft, and you know what that means, they're going to get one of the top two quarterbacks probably. Um, so they can hit a quick reset on this franchise. Uh, I like the GM. I like Dable, even though he stole coach of the year last year. Um, I think that, you know, with a you know franchise chip in place at the quarterback position, you can realistically expect that uh, things turn around there pretty quickly. They've been bitten pretty bad by the injury bug this year, particularly on that offensive line. And, you know, it's if you had Tommy DeVito and you inserted him with a good coaching staff with a team that was otherwise really healthy and, you know, had a bunch of, you know, decent talent, then that would be one thing. But that's not what we're looking at here. This is a really, really rough situation to be in. There's no pass catchers for the Giants that can really create separation. Uh, and the offensive line is still just performing at the 32 out of 32 level. So, um, yeah, I think the Giants are drawing dead in this one. And I think that if you're a Giants fan, I think you should probably be kind of quietly excited because this could have been a longer term negative decision uh, to extend Daniel Jones. Uh, and the way it's worked out with his injuries this year and the losses they've sustained already, you're actually primed to to bounce pretty quick. Does that all make sense? I'm not sure if Giants fans would be excited because uh, they have to watch this team for the next two months. Uh, it's going to be painful, but I agree that it is probably a net positive for the franchise. Maybe they can get in position to draft one of the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Uh, I was uh, texting a mutual friend of ours last night when the line opened for Giants-Cowboys, and I was like, 15 and a half seems too low. And yeah. he replied saying, I don't know. I don't know how to contextualize <laughs> lines being too high or too low once you get up to 15 and a half, 16 and a half, 17 and a half. Like what's the, it's almost what's the difference, but there is a difference. And uh, certainly I'd rather be on the Cowboys uh, at minus 16 and a half, uh, having seen Tommy DeVito play and what he did. I mean, they just lost by 24 points to the Raiders and they didn't yeah. complete a pass against the Jets basically uh, for positive yardage. Yeah. And to me in the Jets game, the, Everyone was uh, criticizing Dayball's play calling in the second half and playing not to lose. I don't necessarily think that was the case because uh, I think he probably knew what he had in Tommy DeVito uh, and maybe just running the ball and going three and out and punting and letting Zach Wilson beat himself was the best play to win in the game. Mm -hmm. The issue with Dayball is that he had two weeks to train up his backup quarterback. Yes. And, and was, he was not in a position to be able to complete a pass forward uh, yes. with the ball, which was... Uh, a complete mess, and uh, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta whiff of it's probably it could be Barkley, right? Yeah, it could be it could be uh, Matt Barkley this week. Devito might not get the start. Yeah, which is yeah, I don't know Matt Barkley. Uh, I generally like going with untried quarterbacks because you just never know if Jaron Hall might be halfway decent. You never know if you're just sitting on the next Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Brock Purdy. But we know what Matt Barkley is, uh, unfortunately, and uh, and he's not very good. So, uh, yeah, that wouldn't change my opinion too much about the line if it's Barkley instead of DeVito. Uh, what an incredible turn of events for the New York Giants. Oh, uh, my goodness. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some better teams. But first, a reminder that all eyes will be on East Rutherford on Sunday night. Drew, you don't mm. want to miss the matchup between Star Source Gardner. And Devante Adams as the Raiders travel east to face the Jets. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. A game stunningly with AFC wildcard implications. Amazing. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, kind of a better matchup than anticipated. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. 
Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Uh, let's go stock up, stock down, start with the Bengals, uh, who reasserted themselves on Sunday night as top-tier AFC contenders, kind of taking out the Bills 24-18 in both a game that never really felt that close. And also, if Von Miller could stick a tackle on Joe Mixon uh, on the last play, meaningful play of the game, Bills very well could have marched down the field and won that game. And also, they had the Dalton Kincaid fumble, which was an absolute backbreaker. I don't think necessarily his fault, but uh, that was tough. Anyway, the Bengals... They are right back uh, in the mix. They are the hot team du jour. They're still plus 320 to win their division, which is why I think you need to be a little cool on this team. But they are plus, plus 750 to win the AFC, uh, 13 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Their win total is 10 and a half, and they're now minus 300 to make the playoffs after being dogs not long ago. Uh do you think this team belongs in tier one of the AFC with the Chiefs and Ravens, or do you see them still as uh, step down? Uh, so let's divorce this into three different parts. You ready? Part sure. one is is when you come up with a neutral rating, are you including any of the data from when Burrow was injured? I would say no. I would say toss it all. None of that is giving you signal about what this offense should, how this offense should be rated, because all everything you want to know about Burrow has been answered affirmative. His mechanics look fine. His scrambling is part of the uh, repertoire. Uh, in fact, his kind of decision-making as a quarterback looks like he is kind of on the expected progression of continuing to make great decisions at the quarterback position. Uh, his escapability from the pocket, incredible. In um, uh, moments where the pass protection was breaking down, which is still far too often for this team that has invested so much in this offensive line, but we'll leave that aside. Uh, and at least until... 
the end of the game yesterday, he had a very healthy core, uh, trio of wide receivers who are all able to create separation and make game-breaking plays down the field. Now, Higgins has been in and out with injuries this year, and now there is a lot of buzz about what to expect with Jamar Chase because his quotes uh, on Monday morning were not that positive and tough to parse exactly what he was saying there, but it seems like the Cincy beat reporters think that he maybe uh, needs a couple weeks to get his back right. Um, so there will be some impact in terms of how you want to ultimately rate the Bengals outside of Burrow. Um, but I think it's perfectly fair to say at full strength, this offense should be rated as a top three offense. Now, how do you kind of stack them up in terms of a neutral rating is a little bit separate from should they be considered in the same sentence in the same tier as the likes of the Chiefs for potentially winning the AFC? And that's where I say they're in a little bit of trouble. It's not just the plus 320 to win the division, but the implications of that being that this is a team that's going to have to go on the road and win three games in the months of January uh, to get to a Super Bowl. And that, to me, is a, a tough ask when you're in an AFC with as many good teams as we have. Um, I know they did it in Buffalo last year. I know people thought they had a very decent shot to do it in Kansas City last year. Um, and they played well in that game, just not quite well enough in some key moments. And I guess three, you know, two games in a row on the road is maybe one thing. But if you're coming in as the wild card and you have Jags, then you know, Bills, then, you know, Jags, then Dolphins, then Chiefs, or Jags, then Ravens, then Chiefs. You know, these are these are really tough. Uh, road games to go bang, bang, bang down the stretch here. Um, and so I think I'm still quite cool on Cincinnati ultimately being able to grab the brass ring in the AFC and represent in the Super Bowl. Um, but boy, oh boy, they could ruin the party for some teams that have aspirations of championship. So uh, they look like kind of primed to be the spoiler uh, come playoff time. Um, but, uh, you know, that also is contingent on staying healthy. Like Burrow needs to avoid another key setback injury wise. They need to figure out what's going on with the offensive line and pass pro. Uh, and they need Jamar Chase back and healthy and, you know, contributing at, a you know, a, 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 a top five wide receiver in the NFL type of level, if they're going to be that dynamic of an offense. So, uh, all very much worth watching. Um, but I think you got a decent amount of signal, um, that Big Lou still has his fastball in terms of defensive adjustments. Um, they are developing some young players, I think, pretty well to kind of backfill some of the talent issues that the defense has. Uh, and I think right now, kind of, uh, if you include Jamar Chase in your rating, I think the Cincinnati Bengals should be a top five rated neutral team on a neutral field in neutral situation uh, at this stage in the, uh, in the season. Yeah, Jamar Chase better get right quickly because in about 10 days they play Baltimore in Baltimore. And if they lose that game, that's almost bye-bye division because at that point they go down 2-0 to Baltimore in the season series, tiebreak gone. And at that point, that would be two games and the tiebreak behind Baltimore. So in that case, you're going on the road three times. I would say that as much as I think the Bengals are probably the third best team in the AFC now, maybe at worst the third best team in the AFC on neutral, the fact that they are at such a deficit in their division, being a game back of Baltimore, being half the tie breakdown, having lost that game at home already to Baltimore, when you start mathing out the money lines of just what they're going to be in three-row playoff games, and also they're not locked to make the playoffs either because they yeah. have a brutal schedule the rest of the way. That's right pretty hard to get to there being a lot of meat on the bone at plus 750 to win the AFC. Uh, so that's where I'd pour cold water. As a general rule, I think the market is generally too uh, not generous enough at pricing teams uh, that 
aren't on track to get a one seed in the conference just because if you've got to go on the road, then your money line is going to be bigger. It's a disadvantage. It's a mm-hmm. you know more than a three point swing. Uh, but uh, I do, and usually to me the value is on the favorite. Often I find disproportionate. I think the Chiefs were the most value. The Chiefs and Eagles were the most value to win last year, uh, and it may well end up that. Those are the two teams that provide the most value when we're in week 17, week 18. But yeah, with the Bengals, uh, I don't think there are a ton of ways to attack them in futures markets. I don't believe in Burrow MVP. You don't get to take six weeks off in terms of your output (laughs) and win MVP generally. He's just so far back statistically. Mm. He may well be the MVP from this point of the season on, but Mahomes, Lamar, Hurts, even Tour and Allen to this point have better statistical resumes than him. So he's got a ton of ground uh, to make up. Two, uh, two quick comments. Uh, yeah. He just now has dug himself out of the hole in terms, terms of, of negative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this last week got him into the positive. He's in the green. Um, and we are nine weeks into the season. That's not good. Um, but I will also say that the guys at the top are not that far away. Um, like Pat Mahomes, like a good Pat Mahomes season, he's generating about 200 EPA over the balance of the season. Uh, right now, he's in like the 78 range, right? So he's well off pace of what he usually is at this time of year. And also, we're kind of getting through the good weather part of the year, which is not great for quarterback play in the NFL, Jay. All these guys are stinking, even the best of the best. So, um, yeah, but I, I agree with you. He's got way too much ground to make up uh, in the EPA you know, statistical category in particular. I will say, though, that market is betting against the Bengals this week. It's because of Chase. They've come off of seven and a half to seven. That, I think, was a little bit of just enthusiasm about how amazing C.J. Stroud looked. Like, that was not a fluke. Like, he was he was otherworldly good yesterday. Yep. Uh, and you've seen this come down now from seven and a half to seven, I think, on Texans' bullishness. Uh, and then it's come from seven to six and a half at some of the market-making shops on the C.J. I mean, on the uh, Jamar Chase speculative, speculation that he may miss. Um, I personally think the under is a stronger angle if there is yep. no Chase because, number one, you're selling high on C.J. Stroud um, on the road where his performances have been a lot more suspect than at home. Um, You know, in fact, I think three of his four worst all came on the road so far this season. The only good road game he's had was at Jacksonville, and that was a bizarre game for lots of reasons. But um, you can sell high a little bit. I think local sell high on C.J. Stroud combined with, uh, you know, counting on the Bengals being maybe a little bit more of let's get in, get out, get an ugly win and prepare for Baltimore on Thursday Night Football because, as you point out, they got a short week for the biggest game for them all season. Yep, yep, that uh, that will be a monster. All right, let's get to the Seahawks uh, stock down after uh, getting uh, everything knocked out of them. In Baltimore, 37-3, to Ravens cover the line by 28 points uh, and completely wax the Seahawks. And I think just reinforce... I think there was some hope that maybe the Seahawks, maybe their defense was, you know, an elite top five unit and they have on the other side, you know, Geno Smith who can play at a top 10 level and, you know, great weapons in uh, Lockett, Metcalf and JSN and Ken Walker. And maybe this team actually, you know, could win the NFC West and get a two seed in the NFC or something like that. But I think they've largely reaffirmed uh, on Sunday that you know this is a wild card team and as we spoke about last week they're kind of the epitome of a wild card team when I think of a 10 and 7 team that loses in the first week or maybe squeaks out a first week win I think of the Seattle Seahawks of the past couple of years uh, do you think there's any more upside in the team or downside in the team or is this a team that's just going to go 
10 and 7 and be rock solid but not really pose a threat to make an NFC title game. It's not not a threat for that, no. Uh, for me, at least. Um, I think uh, six seed is where these guys squarely land when the dust settles. Um, if the Cowboys or the Eagles like really struggle the rest of the season and move out of the way and they get the five seed, then that's probably their ceiling as far as I see it because I do not think the Seahawks team can beat the uh, Niners once. I definitely do not think they can beat them twice. Um, so the West is out of the picture as I see it, just the way they match up. Um, and they're going to match up poorly against teams that have well-coached defenses. If you have a good defensive coordinator, and if you have good personnel, and just basically if you have a complete defense, right, a couple of plus players, and then everybody else is replacement level or better, and a good coordinator, you can make Geno Smith look pretty pretty suspect. Um, and it a lot of it comes down to can you play man coverage against their wide receivers? A lot of it comes down to can you put them in a game state where Geno is forced to be able to come up with something outrageous? Um, I think the Seahawks, you know, people were kind of excited about this offense and their potential as they probably should have beaten the Bengals. And then last week it was a lot of it was some fluky stuff early that gave them a healthy lead against the Browns and then they needed some fluky stuff late to actually get out of town get out of there with a win and I think you look at uh, the Seahawks offense as having a relatively hard ceiling when they're up against a good defense and they're going to have to go through some good defenses in the NFC playoff picture even though the NFC is really just quite weak it's amazing especially the bottom oh my goodness um but so the Seahawks will get wins this season. They'll get into the 9-10, maybe 11 win range. Um, but I, again, think that squarely lands them in the sixth seed. Um, and depending on the matchup of who they draw in the three, yeah, they, they could they could get to round two of the playoffs. Sure. But they would be like eight-point dogs in Philly, and I would probably take the Eagles if that's your 1-6 matchup. So, yeah, that's probably where it comes to an end. Um, but I will say this. Um, I do think the Seahawks are a bet on this week. I have bet them already. Uh, I bet them at six. Uh, we saw the market adjust them down a smidge from six and a half to six on the look ahead. Um, but mostly, and now it's been bet back up already. So it's, you know, it's, it's trending towards seven, but I think it probably lands here at six and a half for the duration of the middle of the middle portion of the market cycle here. And it comes down to the fact that the commanders are the opposite of the team that I think can really give the Seahawks trouble. They don't have cornerbacks that can really thrive in man coverage. They don't have matchups for DK Metcalf and, uh, and Tyler Lockett and JSN. And, uh, I think in general, the Seahawks, uh, defense, which, you know, when they ranched, ramped up the pressure against Daniel Jones and the Giants on Monday Night Football, what week three, um, they turned him into an absolute turtle. I would expect a lot of that same approach will work effectively against Sam Howell. They could come out of this game with five, six sacks and a couple of turnovers and make this one look pretty good. So, uh, be prepared for the Seahawks fans to be feeling a lot better about themselves come Sunday night. Uh, and I think uh, laying under a touchdown is uh, a fair play this week. Yep. This is the type of game that a 10 and 7 wild card game <laughs> with, uh, out the commanders at home as six and a half. <laughs> All right. Before we get to Coach of the Year, a reminder that Saturday, November 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions. For week 11, including a massive Big Ten matchup where number three Michigan heads to Happy Valley for a battle with 11th ranked Penn State. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. NFL coach of the year. I think there's a rot in this market, but before we get to that, just quickly as an aside, there is one big rot in the NFL awards markets right now, and it's been sitting there for nine weeks now. And DeMar Hamlin is still even money to win comeback player of the year when, in my opinion, he should be minus 2,000. I get that he doesn't play. It doesn't matter. Drew, there are only two men, only two blokes who have ever come back from the dead, and they didn't have comeback player of the year back when Jesus of Nazareth was around. So DeMar Hamlin's going to have to win both of them. He's going to win this award, barring a massive outlier that I cannot foresee. I think he should be minus 2,000. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that before we get to Coach of the Year? I mean, the rest of the pool is drawing dead, not to make a bad pun, but uh, I don't see any cases, any narratives at this point that can kind of really shake this free. Um, and I mean, honestly, like now that we're past this Bengals game and just in, in general, considering the state of the Bills defense, like he might play some down the stretch. Like, you know, it, it's not out of the realm possibility that. Um, you know, some of the, hey, we're going to integrate him back slowly. He's getting more practice reps. They may be feeling more comfortable internally playing him more down the stretch. And so that would just solidify things here. Um, my guess is that we're at the midseason mark. You just had that big game with all that attention and every rehashing the entire story. Everybody's writing their columns this week of, well, yeah, comeback player, easy, Demar Hamlin. That nothing can realistically happen between now and the end of the season that change people's minds. I don't think so. We're we're aligned on that one. I think that one's pretty uh, uh, pretty soft price. And um, I don't know. Maybe by the time we get to the weekend, it'll be minus two thousand. Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it should be some of these names at the top of the board. Lamar Jackson for comeback player. What's his comeback story? He went from a unanimous MVP to an All Pro quarterback, back to a MVP candidate. Congratulations, Jamal. You've come back from being the seventh best quarterback in the league. Now you're the second best quarterback in the league or something. That's the comeback story. Josh Dobbs. Talk about Josh Dobbs in a second, but he's, there's no comeback. He never arrived. He's arriving now. 
should we give CJ Stroud comeback player of the year for playing really well and the anguish <laughs> of only getting drafted second instead of first? It's completely ridiculous. <laughs> Who are these candidates? I don't understand yeah. why two is second. Yeah, I don't get two either. I don't get that too. I get it with Brees Hall. I get that a little bit. I just don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to beat Demar Hamlin. Uh, yeah. And also, like, I get it a little bit with Chase Young, but just imagine a voter sitting down at the end of the season and writing in. One Chase Young to Demar Hamlin. It's just it's just not going to happen. Uh, I just don't see that at all. Anyway, no. NFL Coach of the Year, no. Dan Campbell is still the favorite as he has been for a while now, plus two hundred. Mike McDaniel is four to one. Don't agree with that. D'Amico Ryan six to one. Robert Sala six to one. John Harbaugh, Nick Sirianni, and Doug Peterson follow them. Uh, do you have any big plays in this market? Yes. Sitting on a big fat Mike Tomlin paper ticket, offshore bets, uh, no way to cash these out. And yeah. good. <laughs> you think that's good? Well, you would have might have probably would have cashed them out after week one. <laughs> I would have thought hard about it, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I like that kind of there is some sentiment in the midseason columns about Mike Tomlin and and sort of the voodoo that has gotten this team to five wins and Presumably with the matchup against Jordan Love, who is probably not an NFL quarterback. Um, six wins uh, to start the season. Six and three would be pretty unbelievable considering the talent def- deficit that he faces relative to the rest of the AFC. I mean, true talent. The Steelers are the uh, you know tied with the Patriots for the worst team in the AFC. Is that crazy to say out loud? I don't think it is. I think they're, they're they. I think you can maybe make you want to make an argument about the Colts, okay? With with Gardner Minshew, fine. You want to make an argument about the uh, the Raiders? No, the Raiders. That they, they they got some talent on that team. So you know, it's 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 pretty um, amazing that uh, you know with the uh, lack of offense, they've been able to find ways to win games, and, and that's been kind of the Tomlin staple. And you know, we talked about this in the preseason. The lack of him ever having recognition in this market was always sort of a you know, kind of a weird, I wonder if they're ever going to, there's going to be a correction at some point, you know, and this season with a team that was expected to finish fourth, you know, if they popped a little bit, like, would he finally get the recognition, get some votes and get some consideration? I think it's still possible, but um, it's still like a super, super, it's a very, very, very uh, narrow path that he needs to kind of thread the needle here to get this award, I think. Uh, and so I would look elsewhere. I agree that Man Campbell should be sort of the current market favorite just because the narrative and the story about the Lions and what they've done after so many years of futility is just a good story to write. It's a good vote to cast. You feel good writing Man Campbell at the top of your ballot there. And especially if the Lions get a top two seat, which I think is possible. Now, considering they have a softer schedule than some of these other kind of elite NFC teams. So um, I think that's probably where we stand in terms of market favorite. I think McDaniel, some of the shine is off with the losses to the elite teams. Uh, and uh, I'm intrigued what you think of Mr. Kevin O'Connell after what we saw on Sunday and why I am especially intrigued at your thoughts. You see the last three games of the season are first Detroit versus Green Bay and at Detroit. So you get two KOC versus Man Campbell's in the final three weeks of the season. And really, if they just win that home game, the voters might decide it's Kevin O'Connell before we even get to the at Detroit to end the season. So uh, kind of an interesting situation there because, I mean, if you want to grade it on merit, like what he did yesterday, what he's done this season, uh, moving this team forward in year two, all of it's very impressive. So 
Um, I definitely think that's kind of the outsider choice right now. What about you? Yep, that's my man, Kevin O'Connell. I think he should be the second favorite in the market behind Dan Campbell. He's 22 okay. to 1 right now. There's still some 25 to 1 about. And look, there's a few ways to think about this. I think, look, firstly, I think he is probably the favorite to have the best case on merit. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win, but that certainly helps. He's gone 4-0. He's gone 4-0 with Justin Jefferson on IR. He started three different quarterbacks. Marcus Davenport's on IR. He missed Christian Darasaw yesterday. And you read some of the stories about the, the game against Atlanta. The fact that he is, they're playing in a hurry-up offense so that Josh Dobbs can get to the line of scrimmage more quickly because at 15 seconds on the play clock, the quarterback's headset turns off and he's, he's not allowed to hear the coach anymore. And so they get into the line of scrimmage more quickly so that Kevin O'Connell can tell Josh Dobbs at the line what he's going to see. Here's what's happening on your left, Josh. Here's what's happening on your right. Here's what you do. That's completely insane that they were able to win that game. After Josh Dobbs, his first two series, he took a safety and a strip sack, and it was very clear he didn't know what the plays were or where people would be. And yes. so Kevin O'Connell told him in real time <laughs> where everyone would be, and yeah. they won that game against, you know, they're not a great team, the Falcons, but they're a real team, and they're a team that's in the playoff mix, and now the Vikings have the tie break there. And so I think that if they make the playoffs with everything that has happened to this team, with Kirk Cousins playing it, no, kind of borderline MVP ballot level, and then just the Terry's Achilles and just be gone. If they are able to make the playoffs after that, after losing Jefferson uh, to IR, I think that he will have the best case on merit. Now, the question is whether that will resonate with voters. I think there's a decent chance it will because, one, his schedule is quite friendly. Uh, he has a home game against the Saints this week, which will be key. And then it's at Denver, home Chicago, by at Las Vegas. That is a very cushy next four weeks while they get Dobbs integrated, while they get Jefferson and Darasaw back. Then it's at Cincinnati. That's tough. But then the last three weeks, to your point, this is what I love about this bet, is that he can take out the favorite himself. Yeah, He's right. with Campbell at home in week 16. Then he gets home Packers on a game that right now is the Sunday night game on NBC, which I think is probably going to get flexed out. It would be nice if that was a Sunday night game, but I don't think it's going to be. In any case, if he just does the double there of beating Detroit at home and then beating the Packers at home, which yeah. presumably at that point, all things being equal, will have clinched a playoff spot, I think that at Detroit game at the end of the season may not matter. But the other thing too is that by my numbers, I make the Vikings plus 520 to win the NFC North. Okay. If he does that, then Dan Campbell can't win Coach of the Year. And I think that's, that's very so true. hard to beat. That is that's so hard true. to beat as a Coach of the Year case, uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, winning the division. And I think he can win without the division. If he goes 10-7, and seven, makes the playoffs, I think there's room for that story to really take hold. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors. That's why I think that O'Connell is the best bet in the market. And I think that Campbell is the rightful favorite just because he has such a clean path to being a strong kind of default winner. There's yeah. 12 and 5, 13 and 4 Lions win the division. Everyone will feel fine about that to your point. But O'Connell, I think, has the ingredients there. And also I think he gets he gets like the Monty Williams latent respect from the previous year where he went 13 and 4 with a pretty bad team. Uh, and now this year to be able to be doing what he's done uh, – Eric Eager also tweeted out that the Vikings, they commit the least penalties in the league, which is actually really key. And I think it's just well-coached, period. Yeah. They're just the 
they're just getting more out of their talent, which I think is kind of the epitome of coach of the year. So uh, I think a lot of stuff is lined up for O'Connell. I make them uh, plus 255 to win 10 plus games. Okay. Uh, if he does that, then I think he's in very good position. I make them plus 840 to win 11 plus. That team okay. goes 11 and 6. Uh, I think it'll be pretty hard to beat. Okay, so the other side of the handicap, and you, I, I was with you, but a little skeptical until the very end, where you're basically like, you can bet Kevin O'Connell twenty-five to one as a proxy for betting Vikings North right now, and the true yeah. odds being somewhere in the six hundred, five hundred range. Um, just that compounding that is awesome, and that you do have an out that doesn't require them to win the North is yeah. is very valid. Um, right now, I think the seventh seed is it's warm for them to take it if Josh Jobs does not play as poorly as we saw him play at times in Arizona. That spooks yeah. me a little bit because Dobbs was inconsistent, just put it politely, with, you know, with his tenure uh, with the Cardinals. The Cardinals were a worse team though. Much worse yep. pass pro and worse receipt, like worse receiving cores by margin, especially when Jefferson comes back. So, you know, Dobbs might be perfectly serviceable to to beat the bad teams on their upcoming schedule. Um, and um, I think what what, what, we, what we need to happen, Jay, we need them to beat the Lions in a, uh, that game gets flexed into primetime or something <laughs> like that. Beat the Lions on Christmas Eve, uh, and then. Um, the, he gets the the uh, opportunity to do uh, the Brian Dable. I'm just going to flex on a team that has that is <laughs> that just absolutely stinks out loud. As Green Bay is kicking the tires on Sean Clifford at yeah. that point in the season, and the Vikings beat them forty to three, and then you're like, well, it's clearly Kevin O'Connell. Everybody decides before we even get to the last week of the season with the rematch against the Lions. So um, it's not as narrow a path as Mike Tomlin has to walk. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, so yeah, I like this. Yeah, I, I think to, like I make I've got Tomlin. He's fourth favorite to me, okay. and the market thinks a lot. What the market has him outside the top seven, which I think okay. is, I, I think that the Steelers there is now there is such a stench around that team that it helps his case because no everyone to your point, no one knows understands how this team is five and three when they've been out gains uh, in terms of yardage in all eight games, and they do have to your point a very clean uh, schedule uh, of opponents where, you know, they're playing that stretch of week 14, uh, sorry, week 13 through 15, Arizona, New England, at Indianapolis. They sweep those games and beat Green Bay this coming week at home. Then all of a sudden, that's that's nine wins on the schedule. And then if you've got nine wins going into Cincy at Seattle at Baltimore, which is a tough close, but... Uh, you know, they've got the Saturday game against Cincinnati in week 16 at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they win that, then all of a sudden, uh, I think Tomlin, I think he's right there. And I like his case now more than McDaniel has a bit of a stench because he loses every single big game that he plays. Uh, yep. I think his price is poison. D'Amico Ryan's, uh, and Bill Barnwell wrote about this in his midseason awards column. D'Amico Ryan's is a defensive coach, and the Texans have a bad defense. Uh, and CJ Stroud is the epitome of that team. That's CJ Stroud's team. I think he's going to get the credit there over D'Amico. I think D'Amico can win, but I don't like his case as much. And then mm-hmm. been a lot of buzz around John Harbour, which I don't really understand because one, they have the hardest schedule remaining in football, and they're just going to they're going to accumulate a couple losses. And if the Ravens are thirteen and four, 
I don't really see how John Harbour is winning coach of the year off of that. I think Lamar Jackson just gets the credit there. Mm-hmm. I see Harbour is closer to an Andy Reid type yes. of candidate, honestly. Just not going to be in the mix yeah. uh, whatsoever. Peterson's in trouble. We talked about that yesterday with Kansas City now having uh, the, being in the box seat for the one seat or at least having the tie break over Jacksonville. Robert Sala, it's tough to talk about because we're recording before Monday Night Football. He wins that. He's right in it. He loses that. He's on life support again. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, and Nick Sirianni is an interesting one. I just think that if he didn't... Oh, if he wins it this year. I, I, don't even speak it into existence, Jay. If that, if that happens this year. <laughs> I no. think that, uh, not having it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's going to win. I like he would probably be on my ballot, but he would have been yeah. on my ballot last year and he yeah, didn't yeah. finish in the top oh, three. God. Uh, uh also when, he's gonna get eaten up by the schedule. I yeah, think. I think I hope so. I mean I'm I you know, I don't hope, but I definitely think that it's <laughs> very it's, it's very likely. It's very yeah. likely. Um yeah. <laughs> the uh one final kind of comment and thought that I'd like your opinion on Kevin O'Connell thing. Um there are probably some of the older voting block who will be like, how can I vote for Kevin O'Connell when he won 10 games this year compared to 13 last year? Right? Like there could be some people who do that nonsense. Um, I hope that that's a pretty small subset of the voting block because let us not forget that these Vikings team was an eight and a half win total team with Kirk Cousins. And if they win 10 games with, you know, half their season, you know, with Josh Dobbs under center, who wasn't on the team, you know, five days ago, like that's crazy. Uh, And it absolutely warrants sort of, uh, you know, some resetting of the expectation there. I just don't know if people are thinking about it as hard as we are. Do you? Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit of a weird one, but I think the main, what helps him there is that. When you have a new quarterback, it feels like a new team. And I don't think they're going to get compared to last year because they've had so much more adversity this year. And I think he just has so much more narrative. And everyone knew the team wasn't that good last year. And this team actually was thought of as good before Cousins went down. So uh, I don't think that's going to hurt him too much just because of all the injuries and that feeling like a new team. And I think he will actually get credit for last year being like this guy went 13 and four with a not great team last year that lost to the giants in the playoffs. So clearly they weren't very good, but they won 13 games somehow. And now he's gotten them back to the playoffs with, you know, three different quarterbacks and the best skill position in football, arguably uh, going on IR. So I think he will be okay there to me. The, how he would go down is just that it's just a weird award and it's subjective (laughs) and whoever wins it, it's because something ignites in the media or a close to voting time. Uh, I would have thought that Carl Shanahan winning 10 straight games and going 6-0 and with the last pick in the draft is probably good enough to win coach of the year, and it wasn't. Uh, Brian Dayball going 9-7-1 uh, against an easy schedule, winning like two of his last eight games or whatever. That's what ignited. So I think all you can do is you map out who has the path to a potential winning case and what can ignite. Uh, and then compare that to the price point in the market. And I think mm-hmm. when you're doing that, the two people who have relative to price in the market right now, the best chances at that path are, are O'Connell and Tomlin. Uh, yeah. and I think those are those are the two horses. Uh, you know, yeah. Regardless of what happens, uh, we haven't even mentioned the word, the name Brian Flores so far. Um, yeah. He does. He, he, my God, what a what an amazing bit of work he's done the fact that you look at the epa per play charts for defense and the vikings is hovering right about the jets yeah uh, unbelievable 
That's like that seems impossible considering what this talent disparity were between those two teams at the beginning of the season. It's not because the Jets are bad. The Jets are amazing. It's the Vikings are playing at that level somehow. And shame on anyone for not taking a chance on Brian Flores, who we knew was yeah. an excellent coordinator. <laughs> like, how did the Vikings get him? My boy Kevin O'Connell. That's part he of the year resume. He hired Brian Flores. <laughs> yes, it is. Put it on the put it on the resume. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And a reminder also to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Jay Croucher, Drew Dinsick, and Kevin O'Connell. Have a great day and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever sweats chills muscle aches or cough tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to emerge as you learn more about tremphia including important safety information at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527 see our ad in food and wine magazine for patients prescribed tremphia cost support may be available Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.